Well, it's good to have everybody here and it's good to have these guests of ours who are actually a vital part of our church. If you don't know them, I'm going to let them introduce themselves. I do have your names written here, so I haven't forgotten. But I think it would be good if you just said who you were. Uh, g'day, my name's Paul. Uh, my last name is Jeffrey, and I am here on staff as the uh, Life College uh, course facilitator and registrar. Yeah. Come on, Edmund. Good morning, Pastor Sean. Good morning, Church. My name is Ed Chakawodza. I'm a service leader here. We look after 9.30 service, so we're happy to have you in the auditorium today. It is good. Rachel makes you look really good in that role. She, she really does. <laughs> yeah. No, both of them are outstanding. And Mick Baines, married to the amazingly gorgeous Danielle. So, oh, brownie points there, brownie points. Yes. <laughs> Oh, that's very good. Well, each of these gentlemen have been asked to just share for a few minutes on a character from the Bible that helps them in terms of parenting, of being a father, inspires challenges. And so I'm going to hand it over to them. It's back to me. Um, just a little bit about me. I um, have been a foster dad for the uh, best part of 20 years, and uh, during that time, uh, my wife and I, we've looked after around 10 kids, but um, I think if we've got a picture of my family up there, you can see uh, mainly for that period of time, it's been looking after Damon, Scott and Corey and, and Hayley and Trevor. Um, the journey has been great. Uh, it's had its ups and downs, but uh, as you can see from that photo, we're, we're mostly a happy family. Um, I really appreciate the way that uh, my kids have um, tested my patience um, and my attitude and, uh, you know, how every day they can pretty much uh, educate me on what it's like to be a young person. Um, when it comes to a character from the Bible, uh, I, I think of Moses as uh, a character that's sort of inspired me and helped me through uh, my journey as a father. Um, Moses got it wrong. Surprisingly, you know, um, he did a lot of wrong things and uh, his anger led to, you know, murder and um, there's a lot of things that uh, he did that was a bit of a disappointment to himself and I think that was the biggest challenge that he probably had to deal with is his own disobedience and, and also the disobedience of others. Um, Moses was also afraid and uh, for all those fathers out there, I'm sure there have been a time when, when you've been afraid, um, whether it's at the birth of a child or... Um, teenage years. Uh, put your hand up if you, you, you like parenting through the teenage years. No, I don't see any hands. Oh, well, there's one. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, Moses was also afraid and scared uh, in his journey as well. Uh, Moses gave a lot of excuses. In, in Exodus 4, we see that he gave excuse after excuse after excuse, and even to the point where he sort of put his hand up and said, uh, can somebody else do this job? And I think that honesty is really speaking to me lately about uh, his relationship with God and how he can just express himself that way. Um, but we know too that Moses became a courageous leader. Uh, he led the Israelites out of Egypt and, uh, you know, through the story of the, the ten plagues. And um, we also see that... Uh, he um, parted the Red Sea and uh, he led the Israelites in battle and also tried to lead a nation through uh, God's commandments. Um, I'm inspired in many ways by Moses' character. He's helped me to become a better person and a better dad. Um, there have been far too many times where I felt like Moses 
uh, where I felt weak, I felt ungrateful, impatient, and um, it's just awesome to know that God uses imperfect people for his perfect purpose. Um, like Moses too, I've been hesitant to answer God's call and I've felt inadequate and I've also struggled through anger issues and at times um, have even thought that there is probably somebody else out there that could be a better dad. Um, but I'm really encouraged uh, by God's strength that I can, with him, lead my kids and teenagers into a life free from captivity and provide them with some wisdom um, and help them to stand in the battles of life and help them to obey God's commandments. Um, I know this dad journey isn't uh, a point where you, you come to a finish line, but it's a lifelong thing, and I look forward to the day when uh, I get that uh, mystical, magical peace and quiet, uh, because it's certainly, whenever I'm asked what do I want for Father's Day, birth, birthdays or Christmas, it's, uh, it's peace and quiet, but... Uh, <laughs> It hasn't happened yet, maybe today, who knows. Um, but I'm really looking forward to being a, uh, a father-in-law and uh, one day a, a granddad and maybe, if I'm lucky, a, a great-granddad. Um, so happy Father's Day to all the dads out there and um, I hope you get some peace and quiet today. Uh, but I just want to leave you with this um, little quote here or statement. Um, how does Moses make his coffee? He brews it, that's right. It's an old and a good and it never gets old. Uh, Thanks very much. Had to have a dad joke. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Ed. I, I think he has just one because <laughs> when it comes to dad jokes, I don't know whether I can yeah. really stand up to him. Anyway, my Bible father figure is Paul. Uh, and I'm sure some of you will be wondering why. Um, for so some of you who may know, he never had any biological children, but he had spiritual children and he had lords. Um, and he gave me an example of what it is to be a father, not just confined to your, just your biological, but also to your spiritual children. He understood very well what it means to be a family and a family of God. And I hear him saying, like, uh, from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 18, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. It's like he sees a family everywhere. It's like I'm looking at you and I see a family. And that's how he would look at things. And it has inspired me that when I look at people, I just don't see individuals i see them as part of the family and at the same to my also when i'm dealing with my kids i see my kids my own biological kids and also i see the the greater uh, children that god gives me through um being part of the bigger family um he was so big when it comes to people having to understand a sense of belonging um Paul would talk of um, the heir, as long as you, uh, you remain a child, you're not different from a slave. It's like he wanted people to realize who they are, step up from just being somebody or a nobody to being a child and a son, and he would encourage people to, to do that, and which is something that I learned and I continue to instill in my children 
and the, those that God has given me as children and added on to my life. And I love it that he has done that. Um, I remember initially when we first got married, we wanted more than two children and God has given us two. Maybe he knew that he can create a capacity for even spiritual children for us because that's a room that he created and I'm grateful for that. So he was also quite good and he gave us examples of how to uh, nature children. And the greatest example that I always see from Paul is how he related to Timothy. It, it, it's just one of the best as far as I'm concerned. He, For those that may not know, Timothy's dad was Greek, his mom was Jewish, and so in short, he was a Gentile. And when he started working on nurturing or bringing him up, he made sure that he had prepared him for the what was he was going to face in the future. He brought him, he circumcised him, so he's again welcome and accepted by the Jews. It's like something that I kind of learned from him that even with the children that we have, as we bring them into this foreign land, we also need to prepare them. We need to equip them. We need to make them ready, even for the challenges that they will face in the future. Um, he was um, someone who showed a lot of love in how he would nature him. But he also would have, I'm sure I had some kind of testing that you, he had on his children as well. Like with Timothy, he says in Philippians 2.22, that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has saved me very well in this gospel. Somehow he would, I'm sure, set targets for his son which I've learned as well to do for my kids. Um, he also did it with a lot of um, love because he says yeah, he referred to Timothy as a dearly loved son. I mean, it's, it's uh, not something that probably for those who know my background from Africa, it's not things that we easily do when telling our children that we love them. But it's things that I've learned from him, which I can extend even to my children and tell them that I love them, uh, which is great. And he also taught me um, something that probably a lot of people really or fathers take for granted. He says one of the common uh, verses that we hear is uh, from Book of Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline of the Lord. And when he was saying that, he was like, the other visions, when they say, do not provoke it, do not exasperate, which means do not unnecessarily provoke your children. As a father, I've got rights. As a father, I'm the head of the family, but I should not abuse it unnecessarily. I should really bring my children uh, with love and kindness. Uh, you just taught me to be humble, even though I'm the father. I could flag my right, but no, that's not the place to do it. So he has taught me to do that as well. Um, he has taught me that being a father is not just about bringing children out. It's also end. It's appointed by God. Uh, so he says, for though you might have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. In, and indeed, Christ became, uh, Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. 
its end. It's not just something you can just say, here, yeah, because I brought you into this world, you just try and exercise your right. I don't take it for granted. I've got to end it. And he taught me as well that I need to be someone who is resourceful. Um, if you remember with Paul, he was someone who he was a preacher. He was a prophet, he was a missionary, he was a writer, he was a tent maker, and he was a theologian. There's a lot of things that he did. He was not confined to one thing. And as a father, I've learned to do that, to be resourceful in every way, to stretch myself, to learn new things. He was a visionary. He was inspirational, and he is self-sacrificing in the way he does things. And lastly, he was—he would teach, he would mentor, and he would dis disciple people all things which I've learned as a father. Thank you. So, Michael. Yes, yes, yes. So, yeah, my name's Mick, and uh, I have two beautiful teenage daughters, Chloe and Sophia. And, uh, yeah, I... Um, my character I chose was David, King David. Um, just loved the, when I was sort of taking the time to repair this, I just loved this picture of David sitting out there looking after the sheep. I wonder who told him to do that, who taught him to look after the sheep. And um, yeah, so my first point is um, protector. Uh, from 1 Samuel 17 verse 34, this is David talking, says, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue it from its mouth. I still remember that day, the birth of my daughters, this amazing love came over me, this protection love. And from that day on, I was determined to watch over them, protect them, keep them safe. And whatever that meant, I guess in practical terms, having a roof over your head, having a meal on the table, um, was a great start, you know, but yeah, it's this bundle of joy suddenly just changes, changes you as a man, this wonderful gift from God. Uh, the second point I have is friendship. And um, from 1 Samuel 20 verse 16, this is um, Jonathan and David talking, and, and Jonathan made David reaffirm his vow of friendship again, for Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. I wouldn't be the dad or man I am today without other men in my life who encourage me to be better. Men that watch my back just like Jonathan was watching David's back as Saul was trying to kill him. The sort of friends that love you on the good and bad days. I really appreciate having other dads in my life to talk to, pray with and offer advice with. There's a saying that goes, it takes a community to raise a family. The third point is uh, dancing from 2 Samuel 6 verse 14. <laughs> so David danced before the Lord wearing a priestly garment or undergarment, some transnations may say. Um, I love to dance. Uh, whether I can dance or not might be up for debate, but um, um, it's dad style. It's my style. Um, and I found over the years when the mood of the family is a bit low, I just put some tunes on and, and start moving. And, um, yeah, it seems to get some interesting looks from the other family members, but they tend to join in, which is good. Um, and they actually take me off, so I actually can see what I look like, which is quite interesting. Um, but, yeah, even though I may embarrass my daughters, 
with my amazing style of moves. Um, what I'm teaching them is that they're unique and special and to accept who they are as an individual, not to worry what people think. Uh, my final point um, is time. And from the Psalm, Psalm 39, 4 and 5, it says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. Wow, where's the time gone? And my daughters are grown adults now. If I could look back, if I look back over the years, if it was possible, I wish I had a remote control with a pause button to pause so many precious moments. But I can't, and life goes on. But um, I've just learned to embrace the season you're in. But I'm so glad I've got so many great memories to look back on, you know, birthday parties and Christmas celebrations, camping uh, trips with friends, you know, school, um, school award ceremonies and, and uh, special school events. Uh, I'm so very proud of Chloe and Sophia and the women they've become. And I'm so excited for what God has in store for them. And I love them both very much. Oh, man. Well, with, with regard to mixed dancing, uh, you are notorious, apparently. <laughs> but I take from that point uh, the ability of a father to change the mood in the room. And I know that often I haven't always done that well, but clearly you know how to do it. Um, Ed, I also took from you, I mean, all of the points you brought, but don't provoke your children, which leads me to one of the points that uh, uh, you brought up, uh, Paul, of um, fear. Because when I provoke my daughter, she just reminds me that she'll be choosing my retirement village. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of where the fear kicks in. <laughs> Love you, Debs. Uh, <laughs> But I want to kind of tie a few things together and invite us to turn our eyes to our Heavenly Father. And perhaps a question that has occurred in every one of our hearts, and I would say for some, occurs quite often, maybe because of upbringing, whatever the case is. But does our Heavenly Father really care for us? Does our Heavenly Father really care for us? Jesus um, had such a close relationship with his father and the disciples watched it, particularly when it came to the way he prayed. And they said, teach us to pray. And he said, well, you pray like this. And the opening line is, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. But those four words, our father in heaven. I want to ask you a question, um, of what words would you use to describe your earthly father? And the minute I say that, I know there's going to be a range of things. They go from warm, appealing, distant, painful, whatever. But I think it's an important question for us to answer because it often translates into how we see our heavenly father. And Jesus says, when you engage with God, it's our Father in heaven. And it's not meant to be fearful or distant. It's meant to be inviting and a welcome. And so do you really feel comfortable addressing God as Father? Or does it have a whole lot of other things that it triggers for you? You see, for some of us, and it's a prevailing thought in much of our society, we come to think of God our Father as aloof, as distant, 
as indifferent sometimes, and maybe even the old angry God of the Old Testament as it's often just summarised without actually understanding the flow of revelation through the Old Testament. So again, coming to the question, do we really believe that our Heavenly Father cares for us? However, the opening words that Jesus taught us to pray answers one of the most important questions in the universe. Dare I be that bold? Does God care for me? Does he actually watch over me? Does he know my name? Does he know where I live? And I'm not just talking about your street address, but what's going on in my life. And in terms of what Jesus communicates to us and what he taught the disciples who went on to teach us certain things was the answer is absolutely yes. He knows your name. He knows what's going on in your world and he cares for you. He's our heavenly father. And I want to just remind us of the ongoing revelation of Scripture that God is a Father who loves you. Yes, He loves the whole of humanity, but He loves you. And the Scripture reveals this so powerfully. John, who's called the beloved disciple and the one who kind of leaned in more than any of the other disciples into the love of God, says this in John, quoting Jesus, John 15 verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in that love, remain in my love. Jesus said to the disciples, you see how the Father loves me and I want you to know that He loves you. Now you need to remain in that love. Later in writing his epistle in 1 John 4 and verse 16, uh, and I want to really just bring this home to, to your hearts. He says, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. We know and we rely on the love that God the Father has for us for God is love. The most powerful and the simplest declaration of who God is, while we can observe all the other attributes, every other attribute is defined by this declaration, God is love. And the question I found myself asking myself, do I know, and I would say, yeah, in part I know because knowing God is an ongoing thing. But the second part is how much do I rely on God's love for me in the day to day? You see, We often mix emotions and emotions are part of expressing love and feeling loved and all that. I'm not dismissing them. But from God's perspective, love is not just an emotion, it's an event in which God spoke for himself in human history by his son. I want you to think about that. Love is an event by which God spoke for himself in human history by his son. John puts it this way, pointing to the event that demonstrates God's love, God's care. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Just to try and illustrate this, Greg Boyle, a Catholic friar 
who was worked in uh, LA and Californian prisons for a long time, mainly amongst convicted gang members, wrote a book called Tattoos on the Heart, the things that through our upbringing, through things have been tattooed onto our heart. And he tells the story of a 15-year-old imprisoned gang member, Rigo. And Rigo in prison had come to exploring faith and come to faith and it was going to be a special worship service. And in the lead up to it, Gregory Boyle casually asked if Rigo's father would be coming. No, he said. He's a heroin addict. He's never been in my life and he beat me as a child. And he began to sob as he described the father's abuse. After Rigo had composed himself, Gregory Boyle asked about his mother. And Rigo pointed to a small woman and said, that's her over there. There's no one like her. Then Rigo paused and said, I've been locked up now for 18 months and she comes to see me every Sunday. Do you know how many buses she takes on a Sunday just to come to see me? And after catching his breath and gasping through the sobs, he said, seven buses. She takes seven buses. Imagine. And he makes this point, Gregory Boyle, and he said, our God is like that mother. God, our Father, has revealed in the person of Jesus as a father who will take seven buses to come and get you. Our Heavenly Father, God is love. And love's not just the emotion, but the event that God himself points to because Throughout human history, God has been defamed, has been indistant, angry, unkind. But God the Father points to the love that was demonstrated in the giving of his son for you and for me. The God who will take, in reality, far more than seven buses to get to you and to me. And I wonder if we can just take a moment to just reflect on that. God is love. Jesus says, you can turn to him and say, our Father in heaven, our Father in heaven, hallowed, blessed be your name. Thank you that you're in my life, basically. And perhaps you're at a point where you actually haven't taken that step, you haven't turned. The other thing that's extraordinary about our God is no matter where you've been, what you've done, if you turn to him, he runs to meet you. I'd encourage you to take a read of Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son, a son who messes up so badly it's beyond comprehension. If you understand all the cultural nuances that are going there, falls into a terrible state in a pig pen. But Jesus says there came a moment when the son had lost everything, that he came to his senses. But do you know what brought him to his senses? He remembered his father. He came to his senses and he said, in my father's house, the servants are being treated better than I am in this lost place. I will go back to my 
father. It was the father's heart that drew him back. And while he was still a long way off, disheveled, distant, lost, broken, the father ran to meet him, kissed him, welcomed him, celebrated him, restored him, not as a servant, but as a son. And the minute we turn back to God, the Father runs to meet you. It's His love that embraces you, that has arranged forgiveness for us, if I can put it so.